We're going to be journeying in this uh, together for the next uh, little while. If you are new or visiting tonight and want to know a bit more about the church, do please grab Chris or myself afterwards or Barry or somebody else is on the welcome desk. We'd love to uh, fill you in on a bit more about what happens here at St. Paul's. I wonder if you've ever had one of those weeks where uh, things just don't seem to go the right way. Um, And despite your best laid plans, uh, things um, end up often uh, confusing and difficult for us. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, I, I have two brothers, but my next brother down, he, he, um, uh, he uh, was getting married, and uh, all, you know, when one has a wedding, they, they sort of plan everything to the last tiny detail, don't they? And uh, we're having this wedding at a church in central London, and um, uh, really great church, and uh, the reception was also going to be in the church afterwards. You came into the uh, back of the church, and there were chairs out for us as we enjoyed the service. And in the back corner was the wedding cake stood up high, and uh, everything ready to lay out for the um, reception. And, and uh, it, they were just doing their vows, you know, that very uh, special moment in a wedding service. And um, uh, my brother was just saying that he agreed to marry his now wife when there was this almighty crash at the back of the church. And we all turned around to see the wedding cake had just gone bang, right? And it was splayed across the floor like that. They didn't seem to mind, actually, but we had a good laugh about it on that day. My, my wife and I went camping. Uh, it was um, uh, a, a while ago now because we didn't, ha- we didn't have any children, but we went camping and we borrowed somebody's tent. And uh, we geared all up and, and we were... Uh, went to this campsite and we put this tent up and everything tickety boom. We'd been out for dinner and we came back, you know, got in our sleeping bags, went to sleep. And um, in the night, it, it started raining and then it got really windy. And um, after, after a, a little while, I thought, it feels a bit chilly in here. And I opened my eyes and I could see the sky. And the whole outer tent had disappeared completely. This is a borrowed tent, wasn't even ours. The whole outer tent had disappeared, and the inner tent had completely ripped across the top. Lynn's was still asleep, she was like dead to the world, you know. But it's like, we've lost the tent. <laughs> and so we get up in the middle of the night, and we're going knocking on people's caravans. Can we just come and sleep in the caravan? And one lovely couple said, yes, sure. So we went and slept on the floor of their caravan that night. But you know, you know, sometimes things just don't go according to plan, do they? Uh, maybe your situations are even harder. Maybe you've ended up with um, lower grades in your GCSEs or ASs or A-levels than you'd hoped for. Maybe you're not in the career you really wanted. Maybe you've run up debts and are unsure how to cope with them. Maybe you've got bills coming through the door and you don't know how to pay for them. Maybe your problems are bigger than that. Lindsay and I sat and chatted with a couple of parents recently who sat and told us how they as a family were trying to cope with the fact that their daughter had just been raped. Uh, And another couple talked with us of coping with their children when one of them was now riddled with cancer. Just a quick look at the papers and you'll see that there are problems everywhere. Actually, famines in East Africa, spiraling inflation in Zimbabwe, the desperate state of, of Libya, 
brutal rapes in Congo. I sat with um, my friend Patrick Dixon this week. We've helped support a, a ministry he has called Asset, which is an AIDS-related ministry uh, offering education to stop uh, the spread of AIDS. And um, uh, he's got an office in Congo, which we helped to open up. And um, he said that um, uh, the greatest weapon being used by the anti-government rebels is gender-based violence. Uh, He said it's not unusual for a husband to be forced to watch while soldiers systematically rape his wife. Uh, The husband is then shot and then the wife is held while the soldiers systematically rape the children of the family, whatever their ages are. And uh, often the children die from their wounds because it's so uh, awful. The point is this, you don't have to go far to find bad news. When Patrick told me that on um, Wednesday of this week, um, uh, I was quite shocked by it. I mean, are you aware it goes on? And I was speaking to um, Gordon May this morning because he's just about to fly out to Congo. And uh, I said to him, well, where are you going? What are you doing? And I said, I, I, you know, tell me about it. And he said, well, this is the place where there are more rapes on a daily basis than anywhere else in the world. It is the most dreadful situation that is going on there. And they're tear funder out there doing some terrific work, um, actually trying to uh, help those who um, are caught in that difficult situation. Now, none of these problems have a quick answer. Uh, but they are all helped by having a Christian faith and a Christian attitude in life. Uh, you know, no one, no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I've got a fly around here. Did you see that? Did you see that? It's gone now, is it? My daughter's giving me deadly looks here. So. It matters who you are. It matters that we walk alongside people in life. You know, people are weighed down by all sorts of things. And it matters that we take time out to be with them. So often people are carrying around unimaginable burdens on their shoulders. It might be anxiety about an insecure job, anxiety about issues in a relationship, uh, hidden addictions to drink or drugs. It might be a past secret that you're fearful will be revealed in the future, a deep sorrow of wishing to be married or pregnant, um, uh, or perhaps stepping outside of a current lifestyle that brings misery and discontentment and constant disappointment. The thing is that actually behind many faces, many smiling faces, there is another story that can be told about heartache and pain and sadness and despair and difficulty. And we're going to look at the book of Romans because the book of Romans is all about good news. But often good news is not told. Good news is not the headline that you read in the paper on a daily basis. There's always another tragedy coming up. And the book uh, is a book all about the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul gives us a great introduction to the passage here. And we're going to just look at these first seven verses together of this letter this evening. And he begins in this way. This letter is from Paul, Jesus Christ's slave, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. 
he introduces himself, Paul, in a threefold way here right at the beginning. First, he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I have someone that I follow, someone that I serve, someone that I, I, I live my life for, someone that I want to introduce others to. Secondly, he introduces his office. He says, I'm chosen by God to be an apostle. Someone who, who uh, has, a, has a position in the Christian church. And thirdly, he says, he introduces his purpose. He's been sent out to preach the good news. And uh, in those three things, we also discover three attitudes that Paul has. Number one, I'm called to be a servant, he says. He has a, a, a humility about him. Uh, it's not about him. The whole of his life is about this person that he chooses to serve. A servant is someone who looks after and looks up to and speaks of the person that they're serving. Paul says, I look out and look up to and look after this person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, it's not surprising that there's so many of his writings in the New Testament. Secondly, he says, I'm called to be an apostle. That speaks of his authority. He was appointed, he has an authority to make a difference. He was appointed by God to bring good news. And thirdly, he speaks of his mission. I've come to preach the good news. He says, the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that I know people need to hear. There's so much bad news about, we need to hear the good news. The book of Romans is said to be uh, right at the heart of the New Testament, the jewel of the New Testament. The book within which there is uh, a rich theology uh, that we we are introduced to. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher, said that it's a book that we should all know word for word. It's a book that we should meditate uh, on. It's a book that shaped and formed the ministry and mission of countless Christians down the years. It's the book that shaped and formed the ministry of Billy Graham. Uh, It's the book that's changed countless lives in history. And we're not, so we're not looking at uh, the words that have uh, just been thrown together in an urgent way to answer a need in a church. They're not the words of some columnist in a newspaper who's got space to fill, but they're words of someone who's, who writes with real humility. Not only does he write with real humility, but we know from his life he lives a life of humility. He lives a life of authority. He lives a life where he prefers Jesus Christ in all things. Paul actually says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, if you look at me, you'll see Christ. It's all about Christ. Everything I do is about Christ. Everything I say is about Jesus Christ. And Paul doesn't just introduce himself, but he introduces his message. Look at verse 2. He says, This good news was promised long ago by God through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It is the good news about his son, Jesus Christ, who came as a man born into King David's royal family line. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of of the Holy Spirit. Paul underlines the fact that this message isn't anything that's new or just created. That's really important in New Testament times. This isn't a, a new religion. This isn't a new idea. This isn't something that's just been dreamt up. But this is something that's come from long ago. He's following Christ, but, the, but Christ was promised throughout the Old Testament. All the prophets spoke about him. Abraham looked forward to him. 
Moses looked forward to him. David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all tell of um, uh, Jesus Christ's coming, all tell of his ministry, all tell of the message, all tell of his resurrection, all tell of the hope that he will bring. In many ways, the gospel is old news because the, the prophets predicted that the Messiah would come someday and save his people. Uh, this means that it's not some theological novelty dreamt up by people who were trying to create something new for the church, some new faith that people were following. This is something that the prophets spoke about, that God promised, that Paul says has come to pass. And if we look back over the last 2,000 years, we know that it holds to be true. We know that as we look at the way in which people have tried to stamp out the Christian church and the Christian faith, that even though they've tried to do that, it has continued to expand. Wasn't it interesting that in the news on the 12th of September, it pointed out the fact that despite China trying to stamp out the Christian faith across the country, the Chinese government now acknowledges that there are 25 million Christians 19 million Protestants Protestants, and 6 million Catholics and independent estimates all agree that this is a vast underestimate and that any conservative figure says that there are some 60 million Christians active and at work across the whole of China. There is no way you can stop this message marching forward. It was a message that was promised long ago. Jesus Christ was the one that people looked forward to coming. And he is alive today. I was at Alpha on Wednesday night. Great thing if you... There's still time to join that. If you want to join Alpha, come join us. I've got room in my group. We'd love to start another group. Uh, Feel free to come and join us. Speak to um, Chris this evening. But uh, I was with Gavorg. He was in my group And uh, he was just telling us, he says, I've got a Russian background. He says, I am the third generation since they started trying to stamp out the Christian faith. And he was telling us on Wednesday night, he said, but they couldn't stop it. Today the church is still alive and thriving across uh, Russia. It holds that the good news is true. Whatever, whatever mankind throws against it, the good news is true. So it's not new news or some theological novelty, but part of the plan of God from the beginning. Remember the story of Jesus meeting the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection? They were so distraught um, that they didn't even recognize Jesus. Um, They'd heard rumors about the resurrection, but they didn't believe it. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, how foolish you are, how hard of heart as slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, did not Christ have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And then it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them all the scriptures concerning himself. That's one mighty Bible study those two guys got. I'd like to have been there. Jesus Christ with two people saying, let's just start at Genesis and we'll go all the way through. And uh, they get to the end and and, uh, obviously invite him in. So the message, this is a message uh, from Paul, uh, a servant of Christ. It's a message from Paul, an anointed apostle. It's a message 
from Paul who's come to preach the gospel. And it's not a new message, but a message of a good news message that was promised long ago that they'd been look, that they'd look forward to. And it's a message that holds true even uh, today. It's the good news, he says in verse 3, about his son Jesus, who came as a man, born into King David's royal family line. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of his Holy Spirit. You know, one of the most uh, complex uh, things uh, is having to understand, is having an understanding in our theology of who Christ is. Who is this person, the Jesus Christ? This person that we're told is born of Mary in a stable. This person who we're told had a, a virgin birth. This person who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. This person who was promised long ago through the prophets. This person who was crucified on a cross, but it is said uh, raised again three days later. Who is this person coming to understand who Jesus is? Well, these two verses bring out a profound doctrine that has caused spilt lots of ink on the page as people have tried to understand it. Because they bring out the two natures of God. Um, We understand, first of all, uh, that Christ comes out uh, in the human doctrine. Um, It is the good news of his son, Jesus Christ, who came as a man, born into King David's royal line. That's the human side. Jesus Christ was in in a line in history where God had promised long ago, into this line will come my son. Into this line will come the resurrection hope. Into this line will come new beginnings. Into this line. That's what he promised. Somehow, somebody was going to be born in King David's royal line that's going to bring the good news. But if it's just a bloke, well, what difference is that going to make? There are lots of blokes born in that line. I mean, in fact, if you read the Bible, there's hundreds of them. So what makes Jesus so special? Well, verse 4 explains his divinity. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was shown to be the Son of God, it says, when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of his Holy Spirit. Paul gives us a picture of the two natures of God. According to the flesh, he was the descendant of David. According to his divine nature, he was the powerful son of God by virtue of his resurrection from the dead. In orthodox theology, the two verses present us with what's known as the, uh, the theanthropic person of Christ. Therefore, fully man and fully God. Fully man and fully God. And for Paul, the key event that demonstrates who Jesus really is, is named here as part of the good news at the beginning of, le- of, this, of this letter. It's Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It's absolutely key. The empty tomb is the watershed, the point that forever separates Jesus Christ from all other religious leaders. As long as Jesus was dead, then he was nothing more than a good moral teacher, a nice man who came to a bad end, a great leader who was crucified by those who misunderstood him. If he, 
is still dead, then we have no faith. If he's still dead, then Christianity is just a hoax. If he's still dead, we're deluding ourselves. If he's still dead, then we're the biggest fools in history. But he's not dead. He's alive today. And because he's alive, he's able to save forever those who come to him. A dead Christ can save no one. But Paul says that because he was risen from the dead... Because of the, he was proved to be the powerful son of God. Because he is who he says he is, then he has the power to help you and me in our everyday struggles. Whatever problems you hit, whatever burdens you're carrying, whatever you go into work with tomorrow or in your home with tonight or in your family with, whatever anxieties you've got about the future, he says it's Christ because of his powerful resurrection from the dead is the one that can help you. He is the one that can walk with us in our daily walk in life. And then it goes on, verse 5, though through Christ... God has given us the privilege and authority to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. You're among those who've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. That's Paul's mission. He's an apostle to the Gentiles, he says. Gentiles is the is a key word here. It's the Greek word from which we get the English word Ethnic, and its literal meaning is to the nations, to every ethnic group. Paul was called directly by Jesus Christ as a servant to be an apostle, to preach the good news to the nations. That's the introduction to the book of Romans. Um, uh, He's to go to everybody. He has a clear understanding of who he is and who he serves and the message he has to bring. And Paul had that, as Paul had that message, then Jesus Christ didn't just commission Paul, but he commissions you and me as well. This same message, this same person that Paul so succinctly introduces here at the beginning. He says, you know, anybody who would choose Christ, you, you'll be a servant for Christ too. And you'll be given authority in the name of Christ. Isn't that what he says at the end of Matthew? I give it to you. I give it to you to go and, 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 and tell others about it. And we're to do that. We're to go and tell others. You're to go preach this good news to others as well. We're sent into the world to tell them of this wonderful man who overcame death and who is the answer to today's problems and struggles. And we're included in this because he includes us. He says this in verse 7, Dear friends, he says, in Rome, but we're reading it as dear friends in Ealing, God loves you dearly and he's called you to be his very own people. May grace and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we can read this as though Paul were writing to us. And he says, God loves you dearly, and he's called you to be his own people. We have this same message. We have this same mission. And there's lots in this verse, but I want to focus on just a couple of things as I come into land in the next two minutes. First of all, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. God so loves you. You are loved by God. So often the approach of a Christian 
is I've got to do the right thing to gain God's approval. I've got to work even harder to gain his favour upon me. But you know, you, you, you don't have to do anything to gain his love and favour other than just say yes to him. I have a, I'm blessed to have um, uh, some children. They can't do anything to make me love them more. They can't do anything. They're, I love them anyway. They can't do anything to make me love them more. Sometimes they doubt my love. My daughter says, I won't know you love me unless you buy me a cream egg or something. I, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, they actually can't do anything to make me love them more. If they fail every exam in their whole lives, they can't do anything to make me love them less. If they, if they choose to do awful things throughout their lives, they can't do anything to make me love them less. Do you know, your father, your heavenly father, thinks that of you. You're his child. He so loves you. He so wants the best for you. He so doesn't want you to walk through life carrying burdens and struggles that you could really do without. He wants to take some of that load off you and to walk with you. We read in in John 3.16, it says this, God so loved the world. He does love the world and he loves everything in the world. And you know he has a very special love for you. And when we love someone, we want to demonstrate it. We want to show them that we love them. In some way, we want to share our life with theirs. And that's what Jesus did for us. He came, this divine God came as a human being to demonstrate his love to us, to share his life with us, to offer us a new way in life. While we were yet sinners, it says, he died in our place. The good news, my friends, is that God loves you and nothing you can do can make him stop loving you. And you know what? He loves every member of your family and everybody you work with and everybody you meet. He loves them. Some people choose not to acknowledge that love, receive that love, respond to that love. But God loves them. That is such a wonderful message that we have to go out and say. God loves you. It it, it doesn't say... God so condemned the world, he sent his only son. He says, God so loved the world. He so loves you. He sent his son who came to let us know of our father's love for us and the desire he has that we would say yes back to him. The second thing is, and I want to finish with this, is that we're called to be his very own people. It's probably not the best translation, but... uh, God loves you so dearly that your call, he has called you to be his very own people. He's called you, it says, to be saints. So many religions say you have to be dead, dead for a long time before you can become a saint. You know, you have to be dead like 50 years and then they'll make you a saint. Jesus says, just say yes to me and I'll make you a saint. So if you've said yes to Jesus... Your saint vow. It's true. It's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? You see? This is Saint Christopher on the front row here. 
No, don't doubt that. Don't doubt that. It's true. This is Saint Jade back here, who I see. See? God says, as soon as you say yes, you become one of mine. And I give you my name. You're included in my kingdom. You become one of my saints. The Bible teaches that all believers are saints from the moment they trust in Christ. So you, chosen by God, are a saint. And it's no wonder, he says then, as my family, he says, this is what I want you to live like. People who reflect uh, my character, which is actually a saint-like character. I know we all fall, I know we get it wrong, and he offers us forgiveness and help in that, but basically you are a saint in the kingdom of God. The Father has called you, he's chosen you, and he loves you for his own. And over the next few weeks we're going to journey in this little letter of Romans that's rich in so much. Um, And we could probably spend uh, a week on each verse as we go through it. But it's, it's, it's rich writings that invite us in not just into the message of the good news, but into the mission of the good news, to see this world changed and made more into the likeness of our Saviour Jesus. Let's stand together, shall we?